0: Welcome to the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Thank God for a bye week. It was great bye week this week for football. Got to reflect, some introspection. Now the real part, the real test of the season comes this week. Thursday night football on FS1, TCU, Texas Tech in Lubbock, night game. We'll talk about that and, of course, Got to talk about men's and women's hoops is the preview pod right here on the Hypnotoad Podcast. Before we get into any of that, want to talk about ways to support the podcast. We're not asking you to buy merch. We're not asking you to go join a Patreon. We're not asking you to get a sign and say listen to the Hypnotoad podcast. We got it covered on all those things. What we are asking you to do is this subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast. Super simple. We're on Apple Podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Wherever you get your hypno toad, we are there. So, ways to help. Subscribe, rate, review, give us a great review, helps build the brand. Win a free Harlan College Sports koozie by leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts. Again, super simple. Listen to the podcast, give us five stars, write a good review, screenshot it, send it to Pete Mundo. PeteMundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And get your free koozie. Simple as that. Helps grow the podcast. You get a koozie. I don't see any other way that that's not a huge win across the board. Let's flip over. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Men's basketball, women's basketball, TCU football. So if you're here for the TCU football talk, flip to the end of the podcast. We will get to the game against the Raiders. But I wanted to start with basketball because their season start next week. So this is the TCU basketball pod right here, right? All right, before we get into it, before we start talking players, start talking predictions, all that type of jazz, I want to give a shout-out to our very own Matthew Postons, who did a great preseason roster breakdown on harlandcollegesports.com. If you're not reading harlandcollegesports.com, you're really missing out. They are the premier source when it comes to Big 12 Writing, right? Whether it be post game after a big football game, whether it be news during the week, whether it be breaking news during a game, they have you covered. So go check out heartlandcollegesports.com. Matt Poston's got us covered with this uh, roster breakdown. Now, everybody I talk to, whether it be college basketball writers or horn talk friends, they are horn frog friends, they are all stoked on this men's basketball team. The team was picked fourth in the preseason polls. They're picked third in some other media polls. A lot of people think that this TCU team has a real shot to make a deep run, not only in the Big 12, but in the NCAA tournament. Now, they start next week against Southern on Monday, and then they play Omaha on Thursday. After two consecutive appearances in the round of 32, the Frogs are expecting big things this fall. That's inside the building they're expecting big things as well. Despite the shift in production that is expected when the team loses three of its five starters, the coaches remain uniform in their sentiment, sentiments that the 2023-24 redition of TC basketball is poised to have an exciting year. So they're losing Mike Miles Jr., Eddie Lampkin, Damon Bro, Shawna uh, Wells, and Ronald Walker. Those all players will not be returning. TCU feels like they're 10 players deep, led, of course, by senior forward Emmanuel Miller. So Miller last season, six foot seven, senior forward, averaged 12 points per game, led the team in rebounds at 6.5, and, and returns as the primary scoring option in the front court. He was all Big 12 honorable mention last season. Uh, he started nearly every game, ranked 6 in uh, rebounding, he was also voted to the preseason Big 12 uh, team as well. This is the part, for those of you that are partaking a little bit of wagering, If you're betting on TCU basketball, God help you. (laughs) But if you're one of those people who's betting player props for TCU basketball, I would think that he might be the leader, especially for the first month of the season when it comes to scoring. He was the number one scoring, or no, I should say number two scoring option last year behind Miller, or correction, he was the number two scoring option last year behind Miles Jr. Miller this season will be the number one scoring option, at least in the beginning of the season. At least that's what we think. Right? I, I'm kind of inclined to believe that, too. When you look at the games that Jamie Nick, Dixon has uh, kind of rolled out and all of the conversation around this team when it comes to beat writers and guys who are inside the building, everything kind of points to Miller being the leading scorer on this team. Now, again, this is a team that has a ton of depth, and the first thing you have to know about a team with a ton of depth is you've got to find roles for guys. There might not be a Mike Miles jr. on this team where it's a guy that you're looking at the entire season thinking to yourself that guy's going to be playing in the league next year that's an NBA prospect. you know maybe Miller's that type of dude i don't I haven't seen it yet that he's the type of guy that can jump to that next level and play at that next level that's what this season's for so with a team that with this much depth, the first month of the season will be getting roles for guys where who's doing what who's doing you know, who's doing what in what roles. So I imagine Miller at the beginning of the year will be a scorer first forward. like to think he's going to keep that rebound in production. We'll see as the season continues if he kind of takes a back seat if one of these guards steps up. Um, other players to watch. Uh, Micah Peavy, versatile and reliable. He's 6'8", senior guard. He's a starter or he can come off the bench, according to our friends over at uh, Heartland College Sports. Last season, he averaged seven points per game while playing in 30 of 35 games and eight starts. Averaged three rebounds, trusted on the floor. He's a former state champion at Duncanville. Uh, This could be the season that he breaks through. Plays great both ways. This could be the type of guy that comes on the court, immediately is a second or third scoring option potentially, plays good defense. That's going to get you uh, time on the court in uh, the Dixon uh, offense. Last player to watch this season, Chuck O'Banion Jr. He returns for his seventh year of college basketball, his fourth at TCU, which is, you know, COVID year, all that type of jazz. Seven years of playing college basketball. The joke on the internet is all of these redshirt seniors, COVID seniors, it's like, dude, you're like 25 years old. Come on, what are we doing here? For TCU this season, could be a good thing. Might be good to have a little bit more senior leadership, have some guys who have played a ton of minutes at the collegiate level. Uh, he uses his final year of eligibility to be a Horn Frog. The former five-star recruit started his career at USC. He's a six-foot-seven forward and is a solid outside shooter who averaged seven points per game last season. He scored nearly 10 points per game two seasons ago for the Frogs. He was also TCU's leader in made three-pointers and blocked shots last season. So your three players to watch, Manuel Miller, Micah Peavy, and Chuck O'Banion Jr. Those are the three guys that I imagine will have the best shot of – potentially making an all-conference team at the end of the year. And if this TCU team exceeds expectations, then those are going to be the guys that we're looking at saying, that's the reason why. Now, what are the season expectations? During the 11 seasons, the 10-team Big 12 Conference, TCU Horned Frogs never finished the regular season higher than 5th uh, in the league. And that would be 2018, 2022, and 2023, and they've never finished above 500 in Big 12 play. TCU was picked to finish fifth in the preseason coaches poll behind Kansas, Houston, Texas, and Baylor in one spot ahead of rival Kansas State. They have the fifth-best odds to win the Big 12 regular season at plus 1,000 in the 27 seasons of Big 12 basketball. 27 seasons. Hard to believe. 27 seasons. Uh, Kansas has won or shared the league's regular season title 21 times, so it makes sense for them to be the preseason pick. Uh, TCU has never won multiple NCAA tournament games, so the likelihood that they reach a Final Four seems like a very tall task. The Horned Frogs have the 24th best odds to reach the Final Four at plus 120. Big 12 projections have the conference being the toughest, according to a lot of gambling sites. The league has five teams in the top 25, And with all 14 members ranked in the top 100, 13 that are in the top 75, and UCF, the outlier, the 99th overall program, according to uh, an NCAA projection website that keeps track of all of these different things. Now, I want to read you a quote from uh, Kyle Boom, a reporter for CBS College Sports. And I really like what he was saying. He was talking about the Dixon talent pool that he's assembled, and he thinks that TCU is flying under the radar. Now, I am inclined to agree. The reason that I like how much depth this team has, we talked about a little bit earlier about the 10 different guys who potentially could be starting in different roles uh, for TCU. You look at guys like uh, Darius Ford, 5'11 junior guard, played six games last season with 11 minutes. Uh, He looks like the type of guy who has the body type of a Dixon point guard, a little bit undersized. Could play a a vital role in last set, like, you know, end of half type of offenses. Can he set up the half court? TC last season in the half court, at times against some Big 12 opponents, I thought they felt like a little predictable. I felt like it was a little slow, kind of slowed things down. But I liked uh, what Boone was talking about when he comes to veteran leadership, right? You talk about guys like uh, Jameer Nelson Jr., who was a walking bucket last season uh, at his previous school, uh, skill set to be good at any level. Miller and Chuck O'Brien Jr., they both established vets to help baseline building program things. Um, yes, and this is where I got a little – I feel that football and men's basketball have a little bit of the same problem, where the transfer portal is really good, and TCU used the transfer portal for men's basketball, probably a little bit more than the football team did, maybe do uh, a detriment. But when you have this many new players on the court – it takes a little bit of time to gel. And that's what I mean, that when you have the season start, you can imagine that Emmanuel Miller probably will be the leading scorer as they kind of figure out roles and put people in different positions and see what the lineups and the rotations look like. But how quickly can they gel together? Because if this team gels together by mid-November, early December, then this could be the type of team that comes in 2024, has a very good January and February, and all of a sudden in March we're talking about a team that potentially has a chance to win the Big 12. Now, Kansas was picked number one in the conference. Uh, Baylor and Texas were both picked behind them, right? So I would look at it this way. I, I would say it was, so. it was Kansas, Houston, Texas, and Baylor. Now, Boone says that Texas is probably the best team in the Big 12 or one of the best teams in the Big 12, that TCU could be potentially the third-best team in the Big 12, the second-best team in the state of Texas. I would not mind that. I would not mind a TCU basketball program that was competing at that level and was a team that potentially could be one of the final four teams left in uh, the Big 12 tournament because that immediately would mean that we stamped our ticket to go to the NCAA tournament. Now, all of that being said, the roster, the predictions, the likelihood, all of that. I'm going to give you my prediction for this season. I think TCU takes a step forward this year. I think the beginning of the season is going to be ugly. So if we're talking in three, four, a month, a couple weeks in a month, we're talking about this team potentially losing some games that we don't think that they should be losing. Maybe they look a little bit worse out of the gate than we thought. Hold Pat. Don't panic. I won't panic because I think this team at the end of the day is going to be a lot better than last year's team, which is saying something. So, I like our shots of going three consecutive seasons to the NCAA tournament. We'll see if they can uh, get the job done. All right, flipping the page to TCU women's basketball. Now, this team only has up. There's only one way to go, and that is up after the season that they had last year. TCU women's basketball. They won eight games last season. They went eight and twenty-five. So this season again starts on Monday. Home against Oral Roberts is the first of five home games to start the season before the November 19th game versus Army at home, the Maggie Dixon Invitational. That's the last home game of this five-game stretch. A lot of new faces. They got a new head coach, uh, Mark Campbell. Campbell is the eighth head coach in T.C. Wins basketball history. Served the last two seasons at Sacramento State. He previously was an assistant coach seven years at Oregon, and he was the number one recruiter for that uh, Oregon program that continued just to pile up great draft classes. They have the number one draft class in 2020. Campbell went to Sacramento State, won 25 games there, a record for that program, got them to their first NCAA tournament appearance in program history. So you got to buy the hype with this guy. This is one of those coaches that comes in here and immediately I'm all in on Campbell. I think that the women's basketball program at TCU for years has kind of been underserved, been underrepresented, You talk about the great teams in the Big 12. Immediately, Baylor and Texas are the two that come to the top because those are the two teams that consistently play in Elite Eights and Final Fours. With Texas leaving, Kim Mulkey leaving Baylor, there is a power vacuum in the state of Texas when it comes to women's basketball. TCU has the chance to take the crown from those two teams. Now, this season might not be the season to do that. There's going to be really good competition at Texas and Baylor. Texas has the preseason conference player of the year. They're picked number one in the conference preseason poll. The coaches' polls followed only up by Baylor. There is real competition this season in the Big 12. But you got to start somewhere. This is the season, potentially, that TCU really flips things around. I think Mark Campbell in his first season at TCU is going to make some noise. Again, don't be shocked if this is a team that at the end of the season, we're talking about maybe instead of an 8-win team, a 12-13-win team. A a 5-win jump would be humongous for this program. Campbell's been proven that he can recruit, he can go in the living rooms of some of these different uh, families and say, come join the TCU women's basketball program. There's a real shot here that in a couple seasons we're talking about TCU women's basketball as a potential favorite to win the conference. That's not this year. Uh, players to watch. To so Prince, she was a preseason honorable mention this season in the Big 12. She played at Oregon before coming to Fort Worth. An injury-plagued career looked to be over nearly a year ago when she had a torn ligament in her uh, elbow. But by the time last season ended, the former Oregon assistant Mark Campbell landed the head coaching job at TCU. Prince was off to Fort Worth. Now, Campbell has remade the Horn Frogs roster through the transfer portal, of course. She averaged nine points and five rebounds with a block uh, in the 2022 season. Now, she'll be the focal point in this offense. I'm, she will be the number one player when it comes to scoring options this year. That number from nine, probably going to be closer to 18, 20-ish. It's hard to believe that you might say that a player is going to go and double their scoring output, but I think that that's how it's going to go. Another player to watch for this women's basketball program is Jaden Owens. She comes from Baylor. It's a grad transfer. average around four and a half points and three rebounds, two assist, or four and a half points, three assists, and two rebounds per game in Waco. She concluded her senior season 15th nationally in assists per game and 16th in total. Uh, TC Women's Basketball, they were picked to finish ninth in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Texas, of course, was picked number One. Okay. This women's basketball program, again, I say this, this is going to be a team that is going to have some growing pains. Prince is going to have to carry a lot of the scoring load. I believe in Mark Campbell. I believe in this uh, coaching staff that has, you know, former WNBA players on the roster. This is going to be a program that in three years time, we look back to this season, we say, I can't believe how well that first season went. All things considered. It's going to be a little bit of a rough growth at the end of the day. This is a TC women's basketball program that I think is going to finish above ninth. I think they're better than the ninth best team in the conference to beat Baylor in Texas. That is a hard, hard mountain to climb. This isn't the season to do it. Uh, 2027. That is when I would say TC women's basketball will win a, a conference title. That's my, my hot take for today's pod. All right. Finally, let's get to football, football, football. Thursday night game in Wake or in a Lubbock, TCU Texas Tech. This is a rivalry that, for historically speaking, has been all Red Raiders. Now TCU in the past decade has kind of even the score a little bit more. This season sits on a fulcrum for the Horn Frogs. Four tough matchups are in store for TCU with the Frogs needing to split if they want to become bowl eligible. What do we need to be looking for in this game? Well, it comes down to really two things. Thing number one is Josh Hoover. Had an excellent start to the BYU game, struggled against Kansas State. Kansas State looking like one of the better teams in the Big 12, with Oklahoma's loss this week to Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State. The door is kind of open a little bit to figure out who's going to win the conference. Now, Kansas State just beat the absolute dog piss out of Texas or out of uh, TCU two weeks ago. Uh, That is not going to be a loss that I'm going to forget anytime soon. Um, So with that being said, for TCU, you don't want to help your rival, but the enemy of your enemy is your friend. And in these next couple games, TCU has a chance to play upset to teams like Texas and Oklahoma. So... You could help Kansas State in the long run by helping yourself and winning some of these games. So the te- the Tech game this weekend in Lubbock is could be, should be, a bounce-back game for uh, Josh Hoover. This team is chock-full of talent. This team has still a ton of weapons. You think about Bailey, you think about the receivers on the outside. So it's another one of those situations where your quarterback has to play well to really elevate the talent around him. There's so much talent in the backfield. There's so much talent on the outside. How can he find a way to lead this team to a bowl game? He's going to have to play outstanding uh, from this point on. Texas Tech, they have nine players on the injury report. Most of them are starters, two of them being quarterbacks. So Tyler Show started the season at QB. He went down with a fractured fibula. Backup quarterback, Brennan Morton, he had a grade three sprain in his right shoulder. He set out Week 8 against BYU. He is expected to play against the Frogs this week. Now, TCU's seen him before. I expect them to be ready, but he's a talented quarterback, so the defense has to be ready for this. And, of course, the number one threat of the Tech offense is Chaj Brooks, who is the third most rushing yards in the Big 12 and found the end zone six times. He also leads the conference in rushing attempts. The junior is an NFL-quality running back. He's the most elusive, the slippiest running back in the conference, he's forced 53 missed tackles this year. That's the fifth most in the conference. Both of these teams are fighting for their lives if they want to make to a bowl game. These are games that you must win. Every team, every game counts for TCU. They need TCU needs two more games to get to a bowl game. Tech needs three. So you think Texas Tech at home, you need three wins. This is a game. I think the Raiders look across the sideline and they think, hey we have a shot to take out TCU, a team that played for the national championship last year. Um, TCU's closer, clearly, to a bowl. Uh, they have games against Texas, OU, and Baylor coming up. Because of this, TCU has to be determined to win this game. Uh, it's a must-win game for the Horned Frogs this week. And like I said, it comes down to really two things. It comes down to Josh Hoover playing the offensive side of the ball. And if he ha- if he plays... Anywhere close to as badly as he played against Kansas State, then you can pack this one up by the third quarter. Like, T.C. won't win this game. If he plays well enough uh, to win this game, and I believe that he should be able to, Tech defense isn't world beaters by any means, uh, then it's going to come down to the defensive side of the ball. Now, you're coming up against a quarterback who had a week off with a shoulder sprain. Texas Tech is elusive, man. They played tough games. Throughout the season, even in that uh, loss to West Virginia, which, by the way, the Mountaineers look a lot better than I thought they did when they beat TCU. I thought that that was an embarrassing loss for the Warren Frogs. I mean, Mountaineers are a couple games away from going to a bowl game now. Um, I think they are. I think they're bowl eligible now. Um, Tech has a lot of fight in them. It's a playoff, or it's a really kind of is playoff game for the Raiders. And the, and the Horned Frogs, but for the Raiders, they lose this game. Bowl eligibility is kind of out the window. For Texas Tech, they have games against TCU this week, but then they go to Lawrence to play Kansas. They host UCF, which should be a win, and then they go against Texas and Austin to end the season. A team that needs three wins, you look at these games, you lose to TCU, you got to win out, and I don't think the Raiders can do that. I think the Raiders might win one of the last three. So that's what I'm saying is that this game is a playoff game for the Horn Frogs. This is a playoff game for Texas Tech. The defense for TCU has to be better than it's been, right? Like, I, I think Joe Gillespie has played or done a really good job calling defenses. You're playing a quarterback with a sprained shoulder, coming off a sprained shoulder injury, he's not going to be at 100%. Nobody is at this point in the season, but he, for sure, is not 100%. How do you capitalize on that? How do you capitalize on a quarterback with a broken, or a, a, not a broken shoulder, but like a sprained shoulder? It's not going to be, enough. He's going to be, a, what, like 50%? It's going to be the Tosh Brooks show. Can you stop the run? TCU has shown in spurts that they can stop the run. Kansas State, they didn't just stop anybody. Couldn't stop anybody at on, on Kansas State. So, I think that this is a game for TCU this week. It's a must win for both teams, but for TCU, if you want to be bowl eligible, everything clicks and you beat a team like OU or Texas, you know, that's that's your Super Bowl, that's the win of the season. You know, a bold win would be great, but beating one of those two teams in their last year in the conference, that would be the thing that you hang your hat on at the end of the year. I don't see that happening though. I don't see TCU beating either one of those programs. I see them winning this game against Tech, and I see them winning this game against Baylor, and that's how they get to bowl eligibility. If they don't beat Tech this week, going to the national championship last year and then missing a bowl game completely this year is enough to fire assistant coaches. Sonny Dykes is safe. Sonny Dykes is fine. He is going to be here for a long time. I like Sonny Dykes. I think he's doing a great job. Ken Bryles, Joe Gillespie, those two guys, their names are going to be on the chopping block. If TCU doesn't win this game against Tech, so that kind of gives you the stakes of this game. Uh, I think TCU wins. I think that they cover the spread. I think it's five and a half right now in favor of the Horn Frogs in Lubbock. I think they cover the spread. I think they win by seven. Give me TCU twenty-eight to seventeen. That is going to do it for the Hypnotoad Podcast. Want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Basketball season right around the corner. We will keep you covered in all of that, of course as uh, we get closer and closer to tip off. Next week, Monday, is the beginning of the college basketball season. It's hard to believe. It feels like the uh, we just got done with the NCAA tournament and we're already back to college basketball. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast. Remember, you can win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by sending a rating on Apple Podcasts to Pete Mundo, the big boss. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week talking about a hopefully one game closer to bowl eligibility TCU football team. We'll see you then.